the one guy tortured a schizophrenic and the other one dresses up like a bat and beats criminals asses at night neither of these two are hinged right so let's just (laughs) get that out of the way (laughs) that's fair Welcome to the What's Our Verdict podcast, where we fashion ourselves cinematic judge and jury. My name is JJ Crowder. I'm here with my co-host, Mattson Heiner. Better red than dead. And Javier Ortiz. What is up, ma nerds? You ever find yourself wondering if you should spend the time, money, or both on a movie? Well, we're here to answer that question for you. Each week, we put a movie on trial, discuss the facts, pass judgment, and let you know our verdict. We appreciate your help growing the podcast. Go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button. Tell a friend about us. Go check out our website. Subscribe to our email list for exclusive content and updates at whatsourverdict.com. Also, make sure if you're listening to us on Apple, Podchaser, leave us a review. Please do that. It helps us, again, grow the podcast immensely. We'll read those over the podcast as we get them. So we do appreciate that. Today, we are reviewing The Dark Knight. It was released July 18th of 2008. It was written by Jonathan and Christopher Nolan and directed by Christopher Nolan. It stars Christian Bale, the late Heath Ledger, Aaron Eckert, Michael Caine, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Gary Oldman, and Morgan Freeman. When a menace known as the Joker wreaks havoc and chaos on the people of Gotham, Batman must accept one of the greatest psychological and physical tests of his ability to fight injustice. If for some reason you haven't seen this movie, shame on you. Go watch it now. (laughs) Come back if you want to avoid spoilers because we are going to deep dive. If you're ready to dive in and you're like most of the world, I'm sure, and seen this movie, hang out with us while we talk about it because we're about to spoil the shit out of this thing. The first thing I want to talk about is the intro. To me, this is one of the greatest intros in all of movie history. Seriously, dude, this movie changed intros for me. I, I love it. It's so indicative of this whole movie and really Christopher Nolan in general like he does intros better than most even if his movies end up sometimes being overly long and complicated and super loud his intros are typically good (laughs) (laughs) this is even this movie I was watching it going man I'm gonna blow out my sound bar (laughs) it's got a lot of bass a lot of bass It's a pretty common thing with Christopher Nolan, but I love the intro and I love the fact that it, because it's a cold intro to the Joker character, right? It's not the actual introduction to the character, but it shows you his face for the first time and and what the, the lengths he's willing to go to, to enact his plan and to have it be successful. So I, I really just the opening of this movie is probably one of the greatest intros ever. Dude, it's so Joker-esque because I remember watching it for the first time. I'm like, what is happening? Right? Like, they pants to like a dude blowing out a window. Like it's several minutes before you realize that they're robbing a bank. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they're like killing each other. And it is just organized chaos. And you don't even know that the Joker's there the whole time. Like there are just so many parts of that. I'm like, this is Joker plan. I love it. Such a good intro. Yeah, it's a nice little setup. friends are dead. Ah, oh, love. It's pretty <laughs> awesome. And then he's like, and he's like, no, I killed the bus driver. And he's just yeah. like trying to position himself around and then, bam. I'm like, pretty sure that bus would have had some big dents in it when it pulled out of there, but just crashes through a wall. <laughs> and then I always think when I when I was watching this time, when when it pulls out of there in the train of all the other buses, the bus behind it's not like that's uh that's weird. Like <laughs> I had the same thought. I laughed. I was like, I'm willing to forgive it because it's such a good opening. But at the same time, I'm like, somebody would have noticed that the bus was perpendicular to that building pulling out of it instead of on the road with the rest of the caravan. (laughs) What bus driver is paid enough to care? That's fair. That's fair. 
He was like, I'm just trying to get these kids out of here. Yeah, he's like, I just drive a bus. The other thing I want to talk about, because we and we don't know this. I mean, you knew it because they talked about the two villains. But, Matson, you brought up the fact that it does it so well with two villains. And why does it pull this this off? Because, it, you know, in the in the history of superhero movies, we've seen some that have failed epically because of the overabundance of Wonder Superman. Spider-Man. Wonder Woman 1984 struggled with it. Superman or Spider-Man 3 struggled with that because of the amount of villains. It's just one of those things that you see a lot of. There's such a smorgasbord of superhero comic villains that they try to stuff too many in, but this one did it well. Why do you mm-hmm. guys think that is? I have an idea, but I, I have my I have but. I have two theories. One, it's a hella long movie. It's two and a half hours. Right? Yeah. Like, there is they got plenty of time. My other theory is that they only focus on the origin story of one. Right. So the Joker just comes in and that's part of the story is we have no idea what his origin story is. And so really the only origin story we have is of Harvey Dent. So that's my theory, because Wonder Woman tries to do two origin stories at the same time and just kind of fucked both of them up. Um, <laughs> this one, you really only had one. So those are my theories. Long movie, one origin story. What's yours, JJ? Lay it on me. Um, mine's, a, mine's a little more complex than that. So to me, I think that because really there's one villain for most of the movie. It's the Joker, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, you could throw in the mob guys, but whatever. He's technically, in a way, using them as patsies to do what he wants to do. So anyway, but the Joker plays perfectly. So when you think about the anatomy of a hero and a villain, like the, the that bond that they have, they're, they're working typically towards the same goal. And the problem is in a lot of superhero movies, it's the end of the world, right? So you know that the world's not going to end. It's not going to be this big uh-oh scene. And in this one, it's not. It, it, he even states, the Joker at the end of the movie says, do you think I would wager the soul of Gotham on a fist fight with you? He's like, I'm not stupid. And they're fighting for the soul of Gotham, which the embodiment of is Harvey Dent, right? So to me, the Joker is that perfect balance that he plays at the weaknesses of the heroes so well. Batman's decision not to kill, Jordan's, Gordon's trust in his men, Dent's steadfast stand against crime, all of those things he leverages as weaknesses. What these guys usually is their strength, he plays them into weaknesses, right? Two-Face, he becomes the villain and he's successful because he's the embodiment of the hero's failure, even his own, right? Harvey Dent's failure leads to him becoming Two-Face. Batman's decision not to kill or decision to lean into the right thing and not give himself up leads to Harvey Dent becoming Two-Face. Gordon's trust in his men allows Two-Face to be made. So it's it's the the embodiment of all these failures of the heroes that we have throughout this movie. So I, I find that that's the reason is, like you say, Javier, there's, a, there's no backstory for the Joker. And then we watch the backstory of Harvey play out because of both sides, the hero and the heroes and the villain trying to take control of this city through him being the central piece. So anyway, that's my theory. Yeah. I just build mine off of what JJ said. It's the cause and effect that I think was written in so well. Honestly, JJ took most of the words out of my mouth. I don't <laughs> want to just spew the same stuff. I, w- I would just agree that maybe was that, that cause and effect and, I think because we didn't get the Joker's origin story. And I thought that was an interesting take because so many people, there are so many different origin stories for the Joker. And I thought that was a smart thing that the Christopher Nolan um, and his brother decided to do is they, because I think if they tried to give us an origin story, there would have been a lot of fans and people that would have maybe kind of nitpicked it or, or found reasons to not like it. But they kind of, in a way, gave us 
his own story because he kept telling his origin story of how he got these scars, but we know it changed every time because he's psychotic and, and whatnot. And I thought just the way that they did that was smart for the Joker. And then they focused on leaning in on Harvey Dent and knew that they could tell that narrative because it just worked for that cause and effect type story. So I thought it was just really masterful about how they wove those two together. What's really interesting is that this is primarily based on two comics. And one of them, or I think it's two comics, and one of them is The Killing Joke, which is one of the Joker's origin stories. But they actually don't even get into that in the movie, mm -hmm. right? The Killing Joke like has this whole lead up, you know, whatever, and then he becomes the Joker. And that's how that, at that moment he meets Batman or whatever. And yeah, so I thought that it was interesting that it was based off of that because they don't really dabble in his origin story at all. But I do like because... Part of the, the comics is that not only does the Joker have multiple origin stories, there are multiple Jokers, right? And so I thought it was a really unique way uh, to play on that of bringing his like insanity into it that you're not sure if he's constantly lying about his backstory or if he just legitimately doesn't remember what his backstory is. I thought that was a really cool portrayal of Joker. Well, and it's and and I don't know if you guys haven't just a quick plug for that comic, The Killing Joke. They actually made it into an animated like it's, version. It's epic good. and so yes. good. And when and it, the guy that and it's Mark Hamill, oddly enough, like ironically uh -huh. enough, who voices the Joker through that. Oh, anime. dude. Mark Dude. Hamill is one of the best jokers because he's all he also voices in in the games. The games. Yeah. The, uh, the Arkham and, games. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Arkham games. That's what it is. Oh, Mark Hamill is an incredible joker. Sorry, he, he also did it. No, no, no. It's good because it's true. He also did it through most of the the original animated series of the cartoon. Oh. It, he he also did that, the voice for the Joker. He has, in my opinion, he's the best voice of the Joker because he so, just he's sorry. Great. I feel like we need to discuss what we think, who we think are like the good jokers you know i think i have a very unpopular opinion about okay. how i would so i think keith ledger is the best joker that i've ever seen on screen to be fair i haven't seen like the original like michael keaton who who plays joker jack when nicholson? michael keaton is jack nicholson yeah i haven't seen him i meant to say yeah, yeah to be fair those. haven't seen those so him excluded <laughs> i think it's heath ledger mark hamill mm. jared leto and then Joaquin Phoenix. And here's why. Okay. I think that Heath Ledger, Mark Hamill, and Jared Leto all reflect an accurate comic book joker right even so heath ledger is like the anarchist militaristic one mark hamill is like the crazy one who's like telling jokes remember like the original comic book yeah. joker with like the, the the squirting flower but it squirted acid like that's mark hamill right that's there i think you would like jack nicholson because that's nicholas i keep saying it wrong that's the joker that he was okay then yeah i probably should watch these and then jared leto is like the flamboyant gangster and we also see that in the comics i don't like joaquin phoenix because i don't really think that's a that's an awesome origin story for the joker i don't think it's comic book accurate i think it's an excellent performance but i don't think it's a good joker so that's my unpopular uh ranking of the jokers I can't say that I disagree with you in a lot of ways because I, to be honest with you, and I'll take it a step further than you, Javier, I don't even include Joaquin Phoenix's 
that movie as the actual comic Joker. And, and I know Thank that's you. unpopular too. And I know that there were little subtle hints, like there's the image of the mirror that looks like the the Batman's cowl, but I, I don't, it's so outside of any representation of the Joker. And don't get me wrong, one of the greatest psychotic performances and the breakdown of a human mind performances I've ever watched on film. And I think it's a fantastic movie. I don't count that as a Joker. I just don't. I, I count not as a Batman comic version of the Joker. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't fit with me. And I know that's my opinion. I know it's, you know, don't at me. Just leave me alone because it's you know, <laughs> no, but you make a good point because it would be a good story if it wasn't in the Batman universe. Right. If yeah. it was just about a guy who ended up killing someone, uh, uh, a talk show host, like just mm-hmm. a dude's slow descendants insanity, it would still be a good movie. Oh, yeah. In fact, I think it would be a better movie because it wouldn't I wouldn't be distracted by the fact that I'm thinking about how yeah. is this the Joker? Right. Like, I don't mm-hmm. I don't equate it to the Joker. So I would watch that movie and be thoroughly enthralled by the complete meltdown of this human being. And, and rightly so. Right. And justifiably. But I, yeah, I don't love. So I don't even count that. I will say that Jack Nicholson, look, Jack Nicholson's a genius and watching him play the Joker at the time was entertaining as hell and really fun. I went back and watched a a couple months ago, the original Batman, because I was listening to another podcast. I'll give a shout out to those guys, the shat, the movies. So I was listening to them and they were shitting all over this movie. Right. And I'm like, dude, I love the original Batman. Like Tim Burton's a genius. Michael Keaton. I was like, "Ah, Jack Nicholson. But then I went back and watched and I was like, okay, it's really not that good of a movie. (laughs) 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 When it doesn't hold up in the nineties and, the 80s in the late 80s and early 90s it was fantastic you watch it now it it doesn't hold up but jack nicholson performs fantastically and he is he's that over the top crazy has the little flower is obsessed but he also the joker was either in the comics he was either obsessed with batman like you see with heath ledger in this performance or he was obsessed with chaos which you also see this joker was obsessed with vicky vale from that movie like and he was just it was all about vicky vale and he was pissed at batman because vicky vale had a thing for batman and i'm like mm, that's not my joker either when i wa- re-watched it so very good performance right. from jack nicholson i mean he creates some of the greatest lines like never rub another man's rhubarb are you shitting me that's funny shit <laughs> <laughs> you ever danced in the de- have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight fuck off that's a great line so it's like it's a great performance but Heath Ledger is far and away the greatest performance of the joke. Let me just say this, and I'll get this out there, and this is an unpopular opinion myself. So I would not like this movie that we just are we are reviewing, meaning the Dark Knight. If Heath Ledger was not the Joker, if his performance was not there, this movie would suck. It would be two and a half hours. Mm-hmm that do not interest me at all because as I've watched it, and I've watched it twice over the last three days because I was like, I love this movie and I just can't get enough of it. But what I realized today as I was watching it this morning again is that it's Heath Ledger I can't get enough of. Every time he's on camera, I am enthralled in this movie. Anytime he's not, it's all right. So, I mean, there's just scenes where he's in that the interrogation room with... With Batman, it's just the level of, I think what most people, and in fact, two of my siblings, my sisters, they said this movie's amazing, but they, one, my one sister I'm living with right now wouldn't watch it with me. And my other sister was like, no, I probably won't watch it in because they use the word, he's just too evil. And you don't, you don't like, people <laughs> like who says that about a, like a, a movie that's not like demonic or supposed to be horrifying or whatever. He literally, to the point where you watch, and if you knew you weren't watching a movie, 
you would you would literally think that person is that person being the joker and that's that's where i just and i don't know anyone no one i've talked to that has actually seen this movie and given it the justice it deserves i feel like really has a varying opinion against that he's just so believable to the point if you were directing that like if you're christopher nolan or the people that worked with him like i'd start to be concerned because <laughs> he was he was just the joker which is just terrifying to actually think like if i was acting with him and i went home that day I'd be like babe like this guy is nuts <laughs> Well, have you heard Michael Caine? So Michael Caine talks about, you know, the scene in the in the, the penthouse where they're having the party for mm-hmm. Harvey Dent and he comes in and he breaks the scene. So Michael Caine had never met Heath Ledger up to that point. They'd never acted together and he oh. never met him. So he walks in and he go and he, he, you read the interview or you listen to the interview and he talks, he goes, I was terrified of this man. Like he was frightening when he was in it because apparently he never comes out of character either. So Aaron Eckert, the guy that plays Harvey Dent did an interview as well with, with Larry King that you should really watch this interview. Just go to YouTube and search Aaron Eckhart, Heath Ledger. And he talks about the scene in the hospital where after two faces come and he's got his faces all fucked up mm-hmm. and, and they're having this conversation, the whole schemer conversation. He said, we're sitting, I'm sitting in this hospital bed and he goes, and I can't do anything. I'm just laying there. And he goes, and Heath never came out of character. He said he was in this, they were prepping the scene and setting everything up. And he was over there talking to himself and he's mumbling and doing all the, and like making all these guttural noises and shit and roaming the room. And so that he was like, and we were kind of practicing it and I wasn't saying anything. I don't really have any lines until the end of the scene. He's like, so he would wander the bed. And then, you know, at one point I put my hand up when he got close and he grabs it and that stayed in the scene. He's like, so we did this all day. So it was a long day at work. And he goes, I came out, we came out of this and we're walking back to our, our trailers, you know, outside the back lot. And he goes, Heath came up and put his hand on my shoulder and he goes, and that's the beauty of acting. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, cause he says, we never really said anything to each other. We just kind of manipulated the the surroundings and where we were at in this scene. And then this is how it turned out. Right. Which is one of the most intense scenes in this whole movie, in my opinion, like so good. So it's really interesting. I would have loved to have seen him work. And it's interesting to hear people mm-hmm. talk about him working, you know? I wish he was around to just bask in the glory of this movie, you know? (laughs) I think, so if we're, uh, actually, sorry, before I get ahead of myself, I was going to say, how good of a performance is that when you can be next to people like Christian Bale and Aaron Eckhart and still, and like, they create quote unquote boring scenes when Heath yeah. Ledger's not in the scene. Right? Like, what? Like, let that be the benchmark because that is crazy to be able to say. Yeah. Gone too soon, man. I, I wish he was still around just so I could bask in the glory of his acting because I wanted to see him yeah. do more, you know? Like, there's nothing. Like, I go back to he, he made some movies that are questionable, right? Like, there's people, like, if you named him, they're not going to be at the top of the freaking pantheon of fantastic movies. I'm like, he did oh, back out and he was on top. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that was funny i'm gonna leave that i'm gonna leave that in because that was funny shit and if brokeback mountain wasn't such a fantastic movie i'd be offended but uh, it's one of those things so he did like 10 things i hate about you okay let's be honest that's a great movie dude it's an an entertaining movie but it's not a good movie okay there we go it's an enter it's a it's an entertaining movie but he's the best part of the damn thing yeah he is (laughs) <laughs> again right and then maybe the dad maybe the two girls dad he's pretty funny too <laughs> oh you ain't getting jiggy with some boy i don't care how dope his ride is <laughs> i'm in the know i'm hip <laughs> i'm down with the 411 yeah <laughs> 
or when he like when he's stretching out that arm stretcher machine and she says something about like going on a date and he lets it loose into the other guy's pool. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, how are we talking about 10 things I hate about you? But he also did like a movie. He did uh, A Knight's Tale. It's my favorite. Dude, that's top five of my movies. I'll I'll watch it anytime, anywhere. Fantastic. Dude, me too. If someone came up to me four days in a row and was like, you want to watch Knight's Tale? I would never say no. Me neither. In fact, I would be the guy that would go to you, Javier, four days in a row and say, you want to watch a Knight's Tale? (laughs) It looks like we're watching a Knight's Tale. Dude. Yeah. I would so we be down should. for that. We should, because that is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's really, from a perspective of like, for a critical perspective, it's not a good movie, but it is so fun and entertaining. It's so fun. And Heath Ledger in that is amazing. So I, there's nothing he's in. He even did one called The Order, which is a very mm, weird movie. One. Same people that made A Knight's Tale made that. Some of the same actors and everything, mm. but very good movie. Very weird ass movie, but very good. And he's amazing. So it's just sad that he's gone. <laughs> He's uh, so good. Last one. He's in one called. Go ahead, Matt. <laughs> I'm just saying. The only thing I feel bad about, we would clearly would have gotten another Joker. We yep. could have gotten an origin story. I mean, it, I don't care what it would have been. I would have watched it, and it would have been phenomenal. He could have made 20 Joker movies, and I would have watched all of them. Well, Nolan, the original third movie in the trilogy was supposed to include the Joker, and they had to adapt because Heath Ledger passed away. It seemed like they were alluding to that at the end when the Joker's mm-hmm. hanging from the building, and he's like, he said something like. We're doomed in eternal combat or something like to do this for eternity type of thing. Like, I forget what the exact line is, but uh, yeah, it seemed like they had intentions of keeping that story Mm -hmm. going. Yeah. Nolan said he was he was going to be one of the main villains in the third movie and they had to completely create a new story, unfortunately. Because I would so, you know anything. Yeah, I would watch anything he's in. You know what I think is the most intense scene in this whole movie? What's that? Is after, well, okay, actually, let me start with my favorite line in the whole movie, which is when he's <laughs> shooting up. It's completely the, different. Yeah, it leads up to it. He's shooting nine millimeter rounds into the side of a SWAT car, like shooting shotguns. And the guy's like... Like, oh, he'll need something a lot bigger to get in into here. And then it pans to the Joker pulling out a rocket launcher. And the driver's like, what is that? Is that a bazooka? <laughs> For some reason, that's my favorite line. Anyway, most intense scene is after he wrecks the semi. Mm-hmm. And Batman is driving towards him. And Heath Ledger's like, hit me, hit me. I want you to do it. Hit me. I'm like, oh. And then the music's like rising super intense. That scene is... Yeah, he's got like some like MP5 or whatever, just like shooting it off. Oh, even Heath Ledger getting out of the wreck semi was I'm just like amazing. He like falls over as he's shooting his gun off. I'm like, dude, I cannot say enough good things about this guy in this movie. My favorite part of that scene is after Batman wrecks and the other henchman goes and grabs his mask and gets shocked. And Heath Ledger jumps around and is like, like he's getting shocked and then spits on the guy. (laughs) And he's like, you fucking idiot. I'm just like, what a great fuck. Performance. Like oh my god yeah he just like loses it one of one of my favorite scenes and jj probably already knows this is the hospital scene when he's walking away trying to trying to detonate it. i don't know if you know this javier but that scene actually like the detonator was supposed to work but then that's where he's like wait like yeah. what's going on he like shakes it or i can't remember whatever he does it's like improv do what it was supposed to but it didn't and it was just so joker-esque and he led you went along with it and then i mean that scene is now just it's part of the movie yeah, that's it's definitely a, a you know, it's one of those things where you talk about Aaron Eckhart saying he never came out of character, which is why a scene like that is possible. 
because where mm-hmm. it didn't work and he's like slamming it like the joker would do and looks all funny and then it blows up and they said it actually kind of startled him which is why he did like the whole oh and then like skipped into the bus <laughs> like a weirdo because <laughs> he thought it was broke so he was trying to like fuck around with it and then when it went off it scared him and that's why he ran away from it real quick that's yeah. awesome the other one he did, which I love, is that he was improvised by him is so simple and yet so iconic. And that's when they first captured him and they announced the mayor says that Jim Gordon is now the commissioner, right? And he's sitting there clapping. The clapping wasn't mm-hmm. in the script. He did that himself. So, and it just, and he's just staring at him, just clapping. And that was it. Like, it was just perfect. Just perfect. I didn't know that. That's awesome. That was never I- in the script. Oh, I was going to bring up like, I think one of my favorite parts of this movie is like the moral questions that they bring up throughout the movie. And I think it's most prevalent in that boat scene where you have like a boat of prisoners and a boat of just normal people. And they're like, if you blow each other up, one of you guys gets to live or whatever. And I just think DC does that so well in the comics and like in the animated one animated movies where they bring up these like moral dilemmas and moral questions. And, and the story is, how do you have a hero who tries to stand above like the grime of, you know, crime or whatever. How do you, how do they navigate these moral problems? And I think they do that in this movie super, super well. And I think they do it throughout the movie to that culmination of that scene, right? Like Mm -hmm. you see, because the whole time everyone's being tested, all the, our heroes are being tested on as the Joker pushes the, the envelope of creating just pure chaos, which he, you know, that's what he does. And how they have to, how far are they willing to go to stop this guy? He knows they're limited, so he pushes them beyond their limits. I mean, you see to the point that Harvey Dent's got this dude with paranoid schizophrenia in a chair flipping his double-headed coin, which you don't know at the time that it's double-headed. At least the guy in the chair doesn't. And then, like, basically playing flip the coin roulette with his revolver. And it takes Batman coming in and saying, you can't do that because it'll undo everything that you do. That moral, you watch him, that you could always see that there was something a little wrong with Dent to his steadfastness towards against crime, that it didn't take much to push him beyond that, right? Yeah. Harvey and I used to say that when we were at work, I'd always be like, say it. Oh, <laughs> look at me. <laughs> Dude, I love, that's one of my favorite parts of this movie is in that that little filmed thing when he, when he just gets, anytime Heath gets a deep voice. Mm-hmm. And he like the hit me or like the look like loses the patience. Oh god, that's so scary to me. Yes. I love it. It's great. So For me, so kind of what you were talking, and this is something I learned that was new to me yesterday when I watched it, or not yesterday, the day before when I watched this. I didn't know. I've always been confused when they're leaving the scene after the interrogation and he gives him, he says, She's at this and he's at this. And Batman says, I'm going after Rachel which makes sense, right? That's the thing he's not willing to give up to save the city, right? Is Rachel. And when he gets there, he saves Harvey. And I'm like, wait a minute. Did they just, and I just figured somewhere in the middle, he realized that Harvey's the more important person to the city and the salvation of whatever. But then it it dawned on me as I was watching it the other day, the Joker gave him the wrong address. Yeah. Like he thought he was going to save Rachel and saved Harvey, which makes that, and I was like, that makes so much more sense to me because it continues to crush that spirit of now that this has happened, you failed. How will that push you even further? Will that push you to kill at that point? Right. I always thought Batman half assed that rescue because if it was Rachel, she wouldn't have half her face burnt off, you know? <laughs> Fair enough. I've also, I also like, you know, I understand losing someone you're in love with and stuff, but both Bruce Wayne and uh, Harvey Dent 
are kind of like little bitches, dude. Like they're willing to forget watch a city bird because Rachel died. Bruce Wayne, you're like sleeping with supermodels, dude. Like you can get over this. Harvey Dent, I understand because you've got a weird head, but like, I don't know. <laughs> it just seems like an overreaction, you know? Well, and I can um, see that, but it's there. She's both of their moral centers, which is the yeah, no, no one should have a moral center outside of yourself. You should not have someone else be your moral center for you. If you do, are you really that good of a guy? You know, like, can you call yourself the white knight of Gotham if like your your girlfriend gets a stubbed toe and you go on a murder spree? I don't think so. The one guy tortured a schizophrenic and the other one dresses up like a bat and beats criminals' asses at night. Neither of these two fuckers are hinged right. So let's yeah. just <laughs> get that out of the way. <laughs> that's fair. One thing I had to bring up that's different on this topic is having watched this again is I forgot, like, I mean, this movie isn't a funny movie, but there's some funny parts in this movie. And I think there's no funnier part than when that that weasel of a, an analyst or a, an accountant realizes that uh, <laughs> Bruce Wayne is Batman and Morgan Freeman, just like in your plan. So you're telling me that the the head of this company is a vigilante dressing up as a bat and they go around, goes around and beats people. And your plan is to blackmail this man. He's like, go right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy just like, uh, you can keep that like <laughs> pretty awesome. I would like uh, to call this man's work into question because he ran the numbers once already and was like, yeah, they look good. And then he's told to run him a second time. He's like, wait a second. There are millions of dollars that are unaccounted for. So I don't know what this guy was doing the first time around, but like you should consider replacing him because he seems bad at his job. Well, the difference was he was investigating the other guy's business the first time. Then he started to investigate the actual company. Wayne oh, Industries. So that's where the, that's why it was different. But you bring up a good point, Matson, in bringing up that scene. And yes, that is one of the funniest moments in that in this movie. But it comes to the point where I, this is where I get to say that while this movie is fantastic, specifically because of Heath Ledger, which we've talked so much about already, this movie, while a lot of people will say maybe one of the best movies out there, it's fantastic, it's entertaining, but it's not perfect. The first 35 minutes of this movie, with the exception of the initial introduction and the introduction to Harvey Dent in the courtroom... I think is unnecessary in this movie. I don't need Batman beating the shit out of the the bad guys, the guys that are dressing up like Batman and the scarecrow showing up all of a sudden with the, we know what he does. I don't need that scene. I don't need all of this build up to the point where he goes to China. There's so much stuff in the middle, in the beginning of this movie, there's 35 minutes that could have been cut out of this movie. And it would have been just as good, if not better, because we're not getting the pretty boring parts that we just don't need. I don't need it. I, for the most part, agree with that. I think there's a part of me, the only part of me that disagrees is I think it gives a good contrast between the parts that are really fast and exhilarating and exciting. And it makes those that much better knowing that like we squeaked through some like character development and you know whatever so yeah i'm kind of with you there's some slow parts that honestly when i'm just watching because i want to watch it like i'll skip through some parts of this movie just because i'm like i know exactly what happens right after this so i'm just gonna skip to that part but i don't i don't necessarily think i hate it you know Sure. And I don't hate it. I just don't think it, I don't think it adds any value to the movie, not any real value. Like I, I do understand like it slows it down, 
But once the problem with that is the once this movie gets going, it never stops. Like yeah. it, it's tense from from the moment probably well probably from the moment that Harvey is doing like punches the dude and then says to but judge I'm not done yet and takes the gun from the guy like from then on there's not really much slow parts to this movie like it's constantly on the move so that's why to me the more I watch it and especially the last two times I've watched it now I forgot about the beginning especially those scenes like I said the ones where you know the the dog scene where it all it was was to introduce the fact that he needs a new suit and then to pay homage to the fact that the scarecrow was the villain and he was still out there after mm-hmm. the first movie i didn't need that i could have just said oh you could have had a line of lucius saying hey i got a new suit for you because i know this one limits your movement take a choice which one you want or something i mean any line could have done that without without the need to show me this whole 20 minute scene of him fighting to have it there i just didn't honestly I, did, I didn't even need a justification for a new suit he could have just walked out with a new suit yeah. someone, <laughs> someone could have been like huh new rags really and then nice. he punches them in the face yeah right? like <laughs> I agree. So I think that's my only like I, we talk about Chris and I didn't want to walk into this thinking there was no way for me to criticize this movie because there's so many great things to it. There are some things that watching it now a few years removed from the last time I'd watched it that, that I can criticize. And I think that's my biggest one is it's a long ass movie and it didn't need to be. I think that's my only criticism for me is just really it's it's long. I, I'll be the first to admit this is if this isn't my favorite movie. It's my top three favorite movies of all time. Not not even a question. It's not even I wouldn't you, you can. It just is. But the only reason I don't watch it more like Interstellar is because I know that the time investment and the emotional investment I have to put into this movie to allow it to be that great movie. And that's the only thing that stops me from that, where when we talked about like A Knight's Tale or mm-hmm. some other dumb movies that we all like, it's just so easy to put that movie on and do other other things and enjoy it but the dark knight like once it's on for me it's on like i that's my attention that's what i'm doing because i know that movie and that performance by heath ledger deserves everything that i can give that movie and because it's so long sometimes i stay away from it it's like the lord of the rings principle for me actually i love those movies but there's such an investment that i find myself watching them less than i should even though they're amazing and the dark knight is the same but it's probably the best movie that i could say of all those yeah with that you're not gonna half-ass watching the dark like or at least you shouldn't that movie does not deserve that from the viewer i was actually reading i, I was reading reviews on it because I, I legitimately could not think of bad things to say about this movie so i was looking up i'm like what bad things do people say about this movie and i i read this one review it was by this guy named dan norder and he's like he, he says something like people who think The Dark Knight is the best movie ever made clearly haven't seen a lot of movies. And I was like, you know, Dan, fuck you, dude. Like, <laughs> you absolutely should not write movie reviews because if you can't stand in front of people and admit that this is an incredible movie and it deserves a spot in some of the best movies I think ever made, then you shouldn't be reviewing movies. Like, you you suck, bro. What would you put in front of this movie? Like, friggin' Joker by Joaquin Phoenix, The Revenant? Jeez, is there some critic that you should go jack off or something? Dan? Jeez. <laughs> So anyway, that's a long story to say I stopped reading it because it actually made me really frustrated. So, yeah, sometimes there's people out there like that that criticize things like this just to, for the sake of criticizing it because it's like a superhero movie. And, and I won't lie, like, look, this isn't one of my I wouldn't put this in my top three. This is probably my top ten. But it is my top two of superhero movies, period. And I don't even like DC oh, yeah. that much. Like I'm I'm on the opposite page of, of Javier. Like I don't love DC. 
in any way. Like I didn't even love the comics as much as I did Marvel side. But when it comes to superhero movies, and let's be honest, I know Javier, this is very critical for you because you don't love Marvel and I get why. And I don't disagree with your, your reasoning in some cases, but Marvel has made some fantastic movies. This one is far and away better than all of them with the exception of maybe the original Iron Man, because it, it had some depth to it. The rest of these movies, they're great. They're fun and entertaining, but this movie has some serious depth to it. The acting is amazing across the board. We talk about how, uh, about Heath Ledger, but Aaron Eckhart is unreal. Michael um, Keaton is awesome in this movie. Who? Michael, or not Michael Keaton. Christian Bale? No. Uh, Michael Caine. Uh, Michael Caine, my apologies. Oh, yeah. his, his story with the ruby and what that means for this movie hits me every time. Yeah, Michael Caine is is amazing. Even Christian Bale. I don't love Christian Bale like a lot, like you guys do. Like, I think he's great. I don't love him. But this is the one time where him as Bruce Wayne didn't irritate me. Like, I liked him as Bruce Wayne. Normally, I'm okay with him as Batman, but as Bruce Wayne, I didn't, like, in the first one, I couldn't stand him as Bruce Wayne. He annoyed the shit out of me. Then he was just a big baby back bitch in the third one, so I couldn't stand him there either. But in the <laughs> second totally one, is, he is a fucking baby. And then in the second <laughs> one, but this one, I liked him as Bruce Wayne. Like, he made sense. He was serious when he had to be. And you could tell the parts where he was over the top. He, it was a facade, right, to hide his who he really mm -hmm. was. But so I really, the acting across the board in this is amazing and the story like you said there's some serious emotional weight that goes with this movie you can't just put this one on in the background and ignore it it just doesn't work that way because there's serious thought processes and things that you have to give attention to and wonder about where would you be if you were on that one of those fairies i'd probably turn the key I'm, I'm going to do what you should have did 10 yeah. minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. What a great. And I love that too. Like I, anyway, this movie's fantastic. So I'm with you, Javier. I think anybody that says that this movie isn't one of the better movies out there, they're just doing it to be contrary. That's it. One of my favorite parts of this movie is that it doesn't have a happy ending. Right. Mm -hmm. And so funny enough, one of my favorite Marvel movies is I think it's infinity war where everyone yeah. dies. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, Marvel did it. They they grew a pair of balls and they killed some people. Like, that's incredible. And then Endgame ruined all of that. I was like, oh, apparently <laughs> they didn't grow balls. They, they, they shrunk right back in there. But, like, I love stories like that that don't have happy endings if they don't make sense. And so it wouldn't have really made sense if this movie had a happy ending because – no part of this movie alluded to the fact that there was going to be a happy ending here. And that's probably one of my biggest critiques about the third movie is that it has a happy ending when it really shouldn't. And I guess they try to tie off the trilogy in a happy way. But if there's a trilogy that shouldn't have a happy ending, it's this one. Right. So no, I'm with you. The ending on this one. And that was the last thing I wanted to talk about was the, the final scene where you have Batman deciding he has, you know, taking what basically what both Harvey and Alfred said to him about, you know, you have to be what the city needs, plus you live long enough to become the villain. So he becomes this dark knight of sorts, right? That's where the title comes from. He actually becomes the dark knight of, of Gotham and takes the responsibility for all these deaths. Um, I have some fundamental issues with it at the end of the day. I just kind of want to hear your guys' thought on the ending. Javier, you talked about how it's dark, and I like that. And I like that, too, that it's not a happy ending. And I don't think it should be, but I don't necessarily agree with the thought process behind what they did. 
I, what do you I, guys think? I think if we're going to lie about how Harvey Dent died, there's a million ways we can lie about that. Right? We can say just some gangster came and pushed him off. Right? <laughs> like, it was part of, like, Maroney's man. Like, why, why does it have to be Batman that... Which... We all conveniently forget, like in the third movie, right? Like everyone's cool with Batman when he comes back. (laughs) Um, Well, by the time he comes back, it's because they've told everyone the truth in the third movie. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the the police actually know, and it probably spread from that, that they're like, yeah, he didn't do that. Yeah, because Bane made made commissioner gordon come out and actually say he read the read that letter that he wrote or bane read the letter that that he was gonna read at the beginning and then changed his mind like that he'd written about how the fact that it was batman that saved his family and he had to lie about it so bane reads that note and so then the whole city knows about it not just a certain few so we know now that in the third movie it doesn't it doesn't do them any good right but my problem with it is you just had this moment with these two fairies where you you trusted in the people of Gotham to do the right thing and to understand what the right thing was. And what you've told me by taking the blame for what Harvey became and what he did and saying is saying that the only reason that these 300 individuals that were both criminals and normal human beings alike on these fairies was because of Harvey Dent. Don't take that credit away from these people for making the right choice not to kill each other and and have a trust. If, if you're going to trust in these people, you need to trust in them to not just need Harvey Dent to be the savior of Gotham, that they're going to look at it and go, Harvey was great when he was this, this happened to him. And just like a lot of people, when something shitty happens, it takes them down a dark road and it ended badly. But that doesn't mean that I have to do the same and that there's no hope. I didn't like that they pinned all of Gotham's hope on this one man. That was my problem. And then lied to the city about it. Like, it's okay to do that. That's a reoccurring theme, though, through the movie, right? That he's the only hope. He's the one that's going to save Gotham or whatever. So I don't feel like it was it came out of nowhere, but. Yeah, that is kind of a that, that is kind of a weird reoccurring theme. That's like, look, these people are inherently good. Uh, so long as Harvey Dent's here, if he's gone, then we're kind of all screwed. <laughs> no, I could see our government doing the same thing. Wouldn't put it past them. Oh yeah, if you're putting your faith in a DA, like pff, you need help. Well, and I get for Batman for for Bruce Wayne. That is what Harvey Dent was because he was. Batman, he was Bruce Wayne's way out, right? He was the way that he didn't have to be Batman anymore. So I understand his his reason to to believe in Harvey Dent so much, but I don't don't force that on the city because he's your savior. He was set up to be the person that helped you get out of the situation that you're in. Don't force that on an entire city by lying to them. Like allow them to do what they just did to you. No, he's the one that owned up and wanted to convey that Harvey Dent's goodwill could still be seen for the city, but he didn't have the city say what they said about him. But obviously that's what he hoped the intention would be, I guess, but he wasn't the sole executor on that. I can see Batman making that decision because that's a Batman thing to do. Sure. But what happened after that necessarily isn't him. And I'm sure he certainly wasn't against it. But at the same time, if we had, I mean, granted, we didn't want the movie to go longer, but you just wonder like, what did Batman do at that point? Because his life was basically taken from him because now he can't be the caped crusader in the way that he was before. Well, we see at the beginning. Apparently he locks himself in a mansion and then uh, his knees go to shit. 
apparently. I mean, I understand his knees goes to shit when he falls like 12 stories, 20 stories and lands on a car. And both he and Rachel are OK, because that made a whole shit ton of sense to me. <laughs> yeah, dude, he's got a cape, bro. Yeah. Except you never see it. It would have been believable if the cape had actually unfurled while they were falling, but it never did. <laughs> anyway, that's just one little gripe I have when I watch that movie. I'm like, um, no. <laughs> All right. So should we rate this movie? Let's do it. Yeah. Let me go first. All right, Matson, go ahead. It's a five. I don't think I'm shocking anyone based off what I've already said. Would I rewatch this movie? I mean, absolutely. But like I said, I have to be prepared to watch this movie. And I don't watch this movie as much as I should probably. It's been a long, it's been a decently long time since I've really seen The Dark Knight. But that being said, I can think of no greater single acted performance in my lifetime. And I've seen some good ones. I love Tom Hanks. I love Denzel Washington. I've seen a lot of good movies out there. But at least the best villain performance I've ever seen, Heath Ledger, in my opinion, without a doubt, takes the cake. And then if he's not the best single acted performance I've seen, he's definitely in my top five. I don't even know what those would all be. But the fact that I can just know that I put him in there tells me a lot about what he did for this movie. I think it's a crying shame that we didn't get to see him again. I watch this movie because of Heath Ledger, like we talked about. I think the 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 movie score, I think the sound, the music is amazing. The visuals, I love the tech of this movie. I've just seen kind of Batman elevate himself there. I love the supporting cast of this movie. It's just, it's hard to say. I don't really dislike anything from this movie, except I said it's a time investment. Could it be a little shorter? Sure. But I'm I'm willing to accept it as it is and fully embrace it and tell anyone, if you have not seen this movie, this is a movie that must be seen. Javier. Yeah, I'm going to give this a five as well. Maybe a three and a half. <laughs> if you did that, like, I'd be like, we're done. Like, I was I was going to, but then I forgot. <laughs> I, I was going to come out with a three and a half and just see what you did. I totally forgot. No, I'm going to give this a five. Like, I, I think this is, for me, as good as a movie gets almost. Mattson talked about a lot of things I like, but some of the things that we kind of touched on is just like how like like the moral questions that they bring up but one of my favorite points i think is applicable today is how the joker brings up how hypocritical people are right like he's like if i were to tell people that a gangbanger would die tomorrow no one would care but i try to kill a few you know measly politicians and suddenly like everyone's all up in arms and i think that's a really good thing to consider in today's climate about how hypocritical you are or are not being you know, yeah, I would definitely watch it. Dude, I've watched this movie like 10 times. I almost didn't watch it this week because I was like, I've seen this movie so many times I could quote it like backwards for you. But I did watch it and it, I did not regret it because it was awesome. So, yeah, that's my uh, verdict. Yeah, this is for me like and, and I'm with you. I think if when people ask me like greatest acting performances and I, I'm a movie guy, I watched a shit ton of movies in my lifetime and will continue to watch them. And I, I agree with you, Madsen. This is probably one of the best performances uh, out there. I'm so glad that the man won uh, an Oscar for it, albeit posthumously, but you know, it's, and it, I was, this is, there's very few like celebrity deaths that I'm that like actually affect me. Like most of the time I'm like, Oh, that's really sad, but there's been a handful. And this was one of them when, when he passed away, like it actually affected me. Like I was sad for a couple of days. Like I was down because I realized that I would never get to see continual movies. I mean, he only had like one or two coming out after he passed away, which, and you know, on to his credit, 
you know, with the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus that he was in next, three major actors stepped in to fill in his role of the parts that he wasn't able to see. So, I mean, and that's the kind of actor this guy was. So he sets this movie apart by by far, for sure. No questions asked. I enjoy this movie. And I think one of the things, the other thing, scene that we didn't touch on that I wanted to bring up in my rating was the actual introduction of the Joker when he meet, comes in with all of the the mobsters in that restaurant back room and the first thing and you're talking to the tv and he just starts laughing and comes in and puts the pencil through the guy's eye with the magic trick like it's such an epic you can never forget that introduction of the joker when the guy says what if i send my guy over to pull your head off and he he doesn't even answer the question he just says he asks his own question do you want to see a magic trick (laughs) i mean that's the epitome of this character and it was so well acted and so well performed that it changed it took this movie to the stratosphere as far as value of this movie again i've I've said i have some little you know criticisms as far as the length goes especially in the beginning there's a whole section i don't need and then there was a piece in the middle i don't need the little weasley guy threatening to out bruce wayne and then have it just have the joker threaten to kill somebody you know what i mean like and then he saves him i I just didn't need that section i don't feel like it added much value either there so a couple of things there but they're nothing everything that i could say that's critical about this movie is overshadowed by the performances and as javier mentioned the you know the moral questions and the actual lessons and and theories behind this movie and the things that you have to think about just by watching it. So I too, am going to give it a five, even though I did wrestle with giving it a four and a half, but I have to give it a five for no other reason than, than Heath Ledger. This is our first ever five across Across the board. board. A perfect score. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect score. And I, you know what I, in fact, I figured this would be our highest rated movie ever, but I didn't know if we were going to get a five out of JJ. Uh, it was close. I, I've been I the, whole, the whole time I've been sitting here and, and I'll tell you right now, if uh, again, if it wasn't for Heath Ledger's performance and it goes back to somebody asked me, I mean, this was years ago. Somebody asked me, what's your top five actors? And I have to say Heath Ledger, not because of like his body of work isn't, he had like three movies that were outstanding acting, like affected you acting. That's, that's it. He only had two or three because that's just the time he had beyond his introductory movies that he did to get into the business, right? But this one, and and of course, Brokeback Mountain, if you've watched that movie and you can get past the bullshit in most people's minds that make him make fun of that movie, the movie is outstanding. And his performance, as is Jake Gyllenhaal's performance, is unreal. And then tie that with this movie, and you just can't argue that the man can act and really... So I can't give it a four and a half in good conscience with the way that I feel like Heath Ledger brought this performance out, so... May he rest in peace. But I thought about it for long and hard because of the length of the movie and the unneeded information for me. So there's our rating. Matson, why don't you tell everybody where they can find us? Yeah, Facebook, Instagram. Check us out at What's Our Verdict. Check out our website, whatsourverdict.com. Check us out on YouTube for those spoiler freeze. Some big stuff coming up. I think there's actually some legit newish movies coming out that I know JJ is very excited to review. So come engage with us and we'll see what's coming up in the month of February. Speaking of that, Matt, in the first movie coming out that I'm just stoked to watch, it's coming out on HBO Max. It's called The Little Things. It comes out on January 29th, so it'll be our first released uh, movie in February. So February 1st is our next next release. So the 1st of February, The Little Things, a review. It's a brand new movie. Denzel Washington, Jared Leto looks unreal. So excited for that one. So keep an eye out on that one for February 1st. And then we'll let you know. Keep an eye out for your email. If you haven't signed up for us, guys, go to our website, whatsoverdict.com. Subscribe to our email list. We don't spam you out. I send you one email a month. 
that tells you what's coming out during that month and then introduces you to some additional content. Those that already signed up, keep an eye out because we're going to have, I'm almost done with our next round of outtakes and mayhem. So hmm. be ready. Javier's got some starring roles coming your way. So be prepared. I don't remember what I said, but it was taken out. I, feel like I didn't even make the cut, which is good. I feel like it's all Javier. It's mostly Javier and me, but I'll just be honest. It's mostly Javier and me. <laughs> But this time some good ones because I've been recording like extra shit at the beginning of our recordings. And yeah. so like there's just some of them that are just random conversations that are pretty funny. So be prepared. Like I said, if you're if you're a member of our, our newsletter once a month, first part of the month, I send that out and, and uh, keep an eye out. So sign that up so you know what's coming. And we also list that, of course, on our website as well. So. Javier is a weird dude. Like, let's just not look past that. Javier just is very... Flick, just flicked me off, ladies and gentlemen. He's very Joker-esque. Dude. He just kind of whatever the hell he wants. Dude, that is such a compliment. Right? Like, Joker's my hero. Man, I wish I could hey, be more like him. Sometimes I agree with his thought process. So, I and think everyone's note, got a little bit of anarchist in them, you know? Hey, I'm an agent of chaos. What a great line. All right. Yeah, let's get the f- out of here. We appreciate you tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye. But by now, Cinemagic out. Da-na-na-na-na. Whoa.